What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Hello, Husker fans. Welcome to episode 285 of the Husker Football Fan Podcast. I'm Mike Harvat. And I'm Justin Swanson. In today's episode, we react to Nebraska's loss to Maryland and look ahead to the matchup with Wisconsin with special guest and friend of the program, Richard Branch of the Buckaround. You can find us on the web at huskerpod.com or by searching Husker Football Fan Podcast on Facebook. You can also connect with us on Twitter by following at huskerpod or email us at huskerpod at gmail.com. This episode is brought to you by Central Nebraska Buffalo. Check out their website for their latest deals at cmbuffalo.com. Also brought to you by Monty Rohde with Pinnacle Realty in Lincoln. Looking to buy or sell a home in Lincoln or know somebody who is? Reach out to Monty at 402-770-3356. Welcome to Morning Edition. I'm Justin Swanson. Sounds a little bit more like NPR the way you're talking. Hi, everyone, and welcome. That's what I'm talking Morning Edition is the NPR show. Oh, see, I don't listen to NPR, so... We're uh, recording... Early in the morning here on a Monday, which I don't... Have we ever done this? Um, I I don't know if we've ever recorded in the morning at all, ever. We might have done like an interview with somebody, but never before 8 a.m. So this is uh, new territory for the old Husker pod. Justin is not a morning person. Neither am I. And I'm tired of apologizing for it. I just... I was... Uh, <laughs> I was in a uh, conversation on Twitter this last week. Like, why is every men's group thing mm. at any church, like, before the sun comes up? This is like a running joke in my life, too. It's like, if you're not suffering by getting up before the rooster crows or yeah. something, you're not holy enough. Yeah, and, and like, and then, like, the men who are, like, all about it, they're like, well, I guess it just means that you're not commit. And no, it's like, come on, let's do a Bible study at 10 o'clock at night on a Thursday. I'll be there. I'll be awake the whole time. Yeah, I'm fart. just hitting my stride. 10 o'clock. <laughs> anyway. Um, Justin, I think it is... Oh, man, it's just pitiful that we're still chasing that one more win at this point. Like... I'll, I'll be honest, I put the cart before the horse. It was two weeks ago that I was texting you about bowl game previews and stuff. Like, I was like, here we go. Let's do this. We had a team that had lost six games in a row, and they beat us. And then the very next week, we had a team that lost four games in a row, came into our house, and beat us. Our Did fans we were getting in fights with their players. <laughs> Did we have two teams become bowl, bowl eligible against us in consecutive weeks? I mean, weeks? certainly this last week. I don't know about uh, – no, no, Michigan State. I think we were their third win, so no. Okay. Yeah. But uh, allegedly there was an altercation or there were at least some kind of uh, – I don't know. It's a, It sounds like a fan got into fisticuffs with at least one uh, – Maryland player at halftime the last I heard somebody got uh arrested for uh disturbing the peace I think was the charge <laughs> so oh um that so helps it, explain why they maybe maybe helps explain why a bunch of their players ran over to our end of the field after they won and taunted us it felt 
it felt a lot like when Iowa beat us uh, in in the cold that year. <laughs> Speaking of that game where Tommy Armstrong threw four interceptions, I don't know if you remember that. Mm. One. It was like frozen. It was so cold and miserable. And then after the game, their players like came over and were talking trash and. Their kicker was blowing kisses because I think it was either the first or second time mm, that he had a walk away, walk off field goal to beat us. That guy. It just had a, uh, it had a negative down vibe, and I don't know. So here's the thing: like I'm not hip to the terminology because I'm not from Gen Z, so I don't <laughs> entirely know what disassociating is. Um. But during that final drive, uh, actually a lot of the time in the fourth quarter, I kind of felt myself, I don't, I don't want to say it was like out of body, but it was kind of like a lot of a, 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 I don't know if you've ever heard the Radiohead song, How to Disappear Completely. Um, Not recently. Okay, that song is actually, it's, it's based on conversations that the lead singer Tom York had with the lead singer, I believe, of R.E.M., Michael Stipe, and they were talking about like in order to deal with like the reality of being a celebrity and having all this attention on you and just all the pressure and the anxiety that comes with that they would tell themselves i'm not here this isn't happening this isn't mm. i'm not actually it's not actually me as a person who's experiencing this it's the celebrity it's the brand that's what's mm. going on these people don't actually know me and so Obviously, that's what you were doing during the game? That's not what I was doing because I, I'm not a celebrity, but it was kind of like a little bit of like a, I've been down this road a thousand times. I know what's happening in the past. My heart rate would be through the roof. I wasn't experiencing that. I was like detached from it. It was like, what will be, will be. <laughs> so I don't know if that's just a sign of we've been hmm. beat up so many times by this kind of stuff. Or for me, it was just a little bit of like, I'm not going to let this affect me anymore. And I've had enough of that tolerance built up where I can actually do that now. But I, it, it I was not nervous. It was just kind of one of those like, well, we'll see what happens situations. For yeah. Me. I feel like I have gained confidence this season. Sure. The coaching staff. And so I kind of, up until they were at midfield and I realized there was a minute and a half left or something like that, only then did I start to be like, oh, crap, we might lose. Like, I really thought it was going to work out up until, yeah, after Chubba's interception, they were driving down and I realized time was running out. That's the first time when I was like, oh, no, I really thought we were going to pull it out because we moved the ball eventually. Here's here's an interesting thing. So, uh, first of all... um, we sat together during the game. We did. Game, which was fun. Thank you, Justin's mom. I don't know if I should I call her Marilyn. It's weird for me to call sure. her Marilyn. Marilyn, sure. thank you for for the ticket. She was kind enough to gift me a ticket to the game, so I greatly appreciate that. And uh yeah. Despite the loss, My dad I'm too. glad I went. He also was a part of that conversation. Oh, sure, sure. She's the one who I had contact with. She's the one she who physically one handed me true. the ticket. So, <laughs> well, just their family ticket. Sure, gotcha. Um, that sounded petty. It didn't mean to. Um, no, that's I, fine. I get it. Like I'd I'm, be in the same position. Like don't don't forget my dad. So yeah, no, no judgment. Well, it, it, this is less impressive to say after the fact, but something I said to you a couple times during the game is I feel like in the third quarter 
when we had the wind that we had to score because I was afraid that we would only ever score with the wind. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking at the scoring summary here, and they scored in the second and fourth quarter when they had the wind, and we scored in the third quarter when we had the wind. Yeah, they definitely seemed to be... Uh, th- there was an advantage for them. Specifically, I feel their quarterback was passing better. <laughs> yeah. With, with the win. Not to say that uh, Chuba doesn't throw an interception. Man, I've watched that inter- last la- that last interception a number of times now, and I just it just feels like a reckless throw. It, it you know if it's the first quarter or whatever, or if you are the you know you've got twenty games under your belt, maybe it doesn't feel like a reckless throw. But um, to be put him in that situation and having him pulling the trigger there, I don't like it. Yeah, I hear you. Speaking of not liking it. <laughs> yeah. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You guys have video now? No. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, this is the first time in like two years that I've turned my camera on for this podcast. So <laughs> I feel very honored. We are excited to welcome back to the show today. Longtime friend of the podcast going back years, maybe like seven, eight years. Uh, our friend Richard Branch from the Buck Around. Richard, welcome back. Thank you, boys. It's good to be here. I was making a face as you said that, and just mostly because it made me realize that uh, we are all old. Now. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. Solidly I'm... back end of middle age. Is that I... fair to say? At least for me, it is. But um, Mike is I feel like closing I'm approaching. it on 40. Yeah. <laughs> by the end of this week, I will be closing, or by the end of this month, I'll be closing it on 40. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, that's an exciting time. Let me tell you. I feel like I've said this every time you're on the show, but when we were first starting, so like more than nine years ago, when we were listening to podcasts, we listened, I listened to yours and I was like, I like this one. I want to sound like this podcast. Well, I mean, it's good to set very, you know, reachable goals, you know, (laughs) aim low. So congratulations, guys. I, uh, yeah, I mean, that's the way to do it in life. If you feel like, you, you know, you succeed, if you just keep it simple, right? Yeah, sure. Well, if, uh, I, I'm excited to talk about Wisconsin, but first, like you guys are like an undead podcast, like you're back from the dead, right? We have been, uh, yes, raised from the dead. Um, the Buck Around took a, oh gosh, I don't even remember the date. Maybe it's two year hiatus. Wow. Three, um, mostly because two, because I think, yeah, no, we stopped after 19 because we missed COVID. And we were laughing the entire season about, <laughs> boy, am I glad are we not trying to come up mm. with content right now? Good for you. Um, so we took, uh, we decided to hang it up after 19, mostly because we felt it, there just wasn't a lot of, I'll be honest with you, stuff to talk about with the team. Mm. Uh, Paul Christ at the time was pretty boringly effective and media access and information about the team was pretty pretty limited. I mean, I, I always looked at what the media was working with, and they were always just carving up articles based off of about 20 minutes of availability. Every Everybody week. has the same quote. Yep. Yeah. And we kind of just said, this is getting tiring, and we're out really in conjecture land here and really trying to read, as, as Max would always say, my co-host, reading the chicken bones, you know, Mm. like you're trying to divine something that maybe isn't there. So we hung it up. And then last October, uh, lo and behold, uh, Mr. Christ was given his walking papers, which 
none of us saw coming. I mean, nobody, if that was going to happen, the assumption was it was at the end of the season. And we just thought, both of us thought that was really intriguing and interesting and trying to understand for ourselves, like why did the landscape change at the university so much? And so we kind of did a, as we called it, a very special buck around, <laughs> um, like an after school special where we, we have, we never closed the feed. Uh, we, we kept paying the two ninety nine a month or whatever it was to keep the feed open, just kind of because I didn't feel like closing it down. Maybe it was sentimental or whatever, but we decided to record the show and sort of just push it out there cold uh, for fun. And people liked it and they responded to it. And we said, well, we're not coming back. We're not coming back. This is just, uh -huh. you know, this is a this is a major Badger life event event, so to speak. So we just felt like we had to do it. But, you know, mom and dad are not getting back together. We're just here for your graduation type of thing. Um, and then when Fickle was hired, because both of us just said, yeah, they're going to hire Jim Leonard. I mean, this is going to be Jim Leonard. I mean, this right. is how Wisconsin football works, yada, yada, yada. We were both taken aback by it and kind of said, well, there is more of a story here. You know, there, this is interesting. Like the, the Wisconsin football is changing and it's trying to understand how it's changing. And is it, what's it reacting to? And so we said, well, maybe we could make this thing work, but they don't want to do all the, I mean, it's what I said when I came on with you guys, I don't know what that was two or three years ago when you asked why we stopped, it was the time commitment and the time, like we were all talking about before we hit the big red record button here, is in the stuff that people don't hear. You know, it's all the the pre and the post and mm -hmm. getting things uploaded and, you know, tracks lined up and all that fun stuff you guys know about. And said, well, if we bring it back, maybe we can find a way to minimize that time. So we started a, a Patreon for the pod and people jumped right on that, which was awesome. And got it to a point, we're at a point now with it that all of our in-season shows, which, as you guys know, are the hard ones to turn around because, you know, there's a very limited window where the conversation like we're having right now is useful to people. Right. In like five days, no one's going to download this show. Right. Yep. Because it's old news. And that in-season show is so hard to turn around. It used to be a thing where I was up to like three o'clock in the morning and <laughs> was a grouch for two days as a result of it. And now it's, you know, we were able to hire an editor and it's, you know, Max and I nice. can record it and we do our prep and we do all that stuff. And then we punch it off to our friend Cody and he pulls it off uh, our Google Drive. And then a few hours later, we have a professionally edited posted show that's mixed and ready to go. And I am spending my evening, uh, I don't know, getting angry at the banalities of middle-aged dad hood versus uh why is why are max and i stepping on each other at the 58 minute mark so much i need to trim that down you know and it that makes for honestly better energy in the podcast because that stress isn't there and better quality of life uh for max and myself so living it has dream. been great i don't know about living the dream let's not get crazy living a dream <laughs> how about like like a, like a seven out of 10 dream. I mean, this okay. is still a podcast that I'm recording for strangers on the internet. There's a lot of inner demons I need to. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. But yeah, so, so we're back. That's great. And the uh, podcast world is better for it. I personally don't listen to nearly as much sports podcasts as I did five, 10 years ago. So 
I think I've popped in once or twice to your feed, but uh, I'm glad you're out there for your fans' sake. Um, uh, so going back to uh, it was interesting to, for Paul Chris to get fired and not Jim Leonard to get hired. A couple right. thoughts. One, I think we all wanted Luke Fickle, and so that kind of felt like a coup, um, many of us in the Husker world. And two, um, while I think there's a lot of respect for the AD being so bold as to say this isn't good enough, I mean, from the outside, it looks a little bit like a fire and Frank Solich moment potentially. And so I'm curious um, if you think that, if you thought that at the time and now we well, let's talk about at the time before we get to now. Yeah, sure. Um, I know that I get it. as well, they fired a guy who won 75% of his games, right? And this is the guy that wins eight or nine games every year, which is the refrain you heard. And I was kind of like, yeah, but then if you look back more or less from 2019, when they lost to Illinois, they're barely over 500 in conference. Mm -hmm. Now, when they got upset by Illinois that year, it was almost like you could set that as the high watermark for Paul Christ. Uh, You know, they, they lost to Northwestern. They lost to gosh, who was it? Indiana. And they lost to Iowa in conference in 20. And you want to say, ah, throw it out the window because of COVID, blah, 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 blah. But then 2021 comes along and they go, you know, I think it's uh, five and three in conference. And then last year just continued the downward slide. And I get the, oh no, like you're, you're getting away from what you are. I truly do. Except for the fact that like Frank Solish wasn't fired on the back end of three seasons that kept stepping down. Okay. It's not quite a Frank Solich situation. It's not like the net result. The thing that people are forgetting, like he really did like 2015 is one of the most impressive coaching jobs I've ever seen. I mean, he won 11 games with a team that wasn't very good. Hmm. They had a walk on running back. My favorite Badger of all time, by the way, I'll give him a shout out again because he kicked a field goal last week. Oh yeah. Dare. My fave. Um, I thought of you when I saw that actually. Thank you. Yeah. I remember a lot of people did. Yeah. Um, but he, you know, like he got a lot out of that team without a good offensive line. Joel Stavi, a quarterback who had 13 mm. picks, 12 to 12 touchdowns. I mean, he really found a way to squeeze a lot of blood out of that stone. So he really did start out. I mean, and he really did. He was a very successful coach. And I was wrong. I did not like when they hired him. He was a good hire. I mean, that dude won a lot of football games and did very well. It's just that. As you got to that back end, it started to it, it was trending down. And I think to your point, I think to me, the firing of Paul Christ isn't really about Paul Christ and the hiring of Luke Fickle was not about the hiring of Luke Fickle. The story is Chris McIntosh as athletic director mm. that his he is very much making a departure from the Alvarez perspective on this stuff, which was very stay in house, which was very, you know, the guy has to be a Wisconsin guy. The guy has to see things in a certain way. And the offense is going to look a certain way and hard nose football, a lot of stuff that nobody's like, well, no, we're going to play soft nose football. So some of that stuff I think is kind of just cliched, right? Um, but there was definitely an identity to who he wanted. And I think he very much, especially after Gary Anderson sort of left Mm. abruptly, even though, uh, 
that guy has Barry Alvarez has not wasted a, a moment when he's had an opportunity to say how much he didn't like Gary Anderson since he was very much scarred by the fact that that guy left and left uh-huh. for a step down job. So his view and is isn't always, even coaching anymore, right? I think he's at Utah State. I thought he's he a quit. very weird guy. He might no, I think he quit. I don't even. He was a weird dude. Let's just leave it at that. That was a strange man. Um, I'd have to look it up, but okay. that, he was fine. Like he's the guy that got them the defense they had for the last decade that worked really well and has been good consistently for a decade. So I'm not quite on the trash the guy train. Okay. Uh, is a weird man. I mean, objectively in the way he interacts as a coach with the public world. So who knows with that one, but uh, you know, this one is interesting because like you said, I mean, they arguably when, when they were looking at a coach and Max and I did that very special buck around, we were saying, well, who are the candidates? And, you know, we were in the, they're going to take Jim Leonard, but if it's not Jim Leonard, which it's going to be Jim Leonard, but who are we looking at? That's a reasonable candidate for Wisconsin. And Max and I were both, I know it's going to be everyone talking about Lance Leipold, but neither of us wanted Lance Leipold. Um, we both said, oh, well, who's a good coach? And we're sitting there and I'm trying to talk myself. I'm like Dave Clawson. Get me Dave Clawson from Wake Forest. And we kind of laughed after the fact. It's like they got Luke Fickle and you and I are trying to talk each other into Dave Clawson. It's like we have Stockholm syndrome. <laughs> And what I thought was really interesting about it, and I think what really energized Badger fans was Wisconsin, for once, acted like a top 25 program. They went out and they got the best coach they could on the market. And they kind of stepped away from this mantra of less with more, right? Or excuse me, the other way around, more with less. Let's not do less with more. Um and it was really interesting because you're like, this is a guy that turned down Notre Dame last year. Like, mm. you know, Notre Dame kind of poked around because they took the guy that worked for him, right? So the guy that said no to Notre Dame and then, like, we're pretty sure Amy Fickle went and checked out Lincoln. Um, oh, yeah? But yeah, like, she went there and kind of poked around schools. Why, why do you think, do we know that, Mike? Why do you think I that? I don't know. Uh, they had, uh, how do I say this? They are very, they were very, one key for them was uh, parochial, I can't even say the word, parochial schools, mm. Catholic schools. Yeah. Um, and they're, that is a, that was a big piece for them wherever they went. They wanted to make sure. Well, Pius X isn't good enough for them. <laughs> uh, well, n- n- I'm kidding. No, but I'm just saying what it was, was that's, Hmm. We can find things out. Um, but uh, what I thought was interesting was that I know he looked at that and he looked at Madison and I get, I don't know how far he went with them, hmm. but I'm, you know, he, this is all that stuff. It's sort of like the interlocutor stuff that is all in the gray area. We don't know about him. I'm like, wow, we got the guy, you know, like the Badgers went out and they were able to make a swing. Cause I was, when they were looking around, I, it was, I mean, I quite frankly, I think rule and fickle are kind of like, here dudes like when people were hiring coaches they were the the a-list guys rule and his wife came and checked out lincoln yeah it's interesting it's it's um it it was just interesting to me that oh wow like this is a guy that said no to notre dame he looked at nebraska and they were able to get him so that to me was the big story is that they were swinging for the fences that's a very long answer for you No, I appreciate the the answer. So um, let's let's flash forward today, where we've got a couple of five and five Big Ten West 
teams. Awfulness. I feel yes. like it's gone like this where, and I'm doing an, uh, uh, an X intersecting X motion with my arms where Nebraska right. has with rule has brought back the fullback and fickle has got rid of the fullback. And that's, that's kind of how I've in my mind felt like we were ships crossing here in the night. Now we're about to intersect in the daytime and just my reading of the tea leaves and I'll shut up is that we are, we have a coach who's flipped a couple teams and he came in and thought that this was a little bit ahead of some of those other teams here in Nebraska. And so it was trying to win now has had some success, but we're desperate for a win right now, not freaking yeah. out. And then on, on the other hand, I, I listened to Chris or Chris, I listened to fickle and a, a, one of the players whose press conferences you, you posted after the game this last Saturday. And I, I felt like it sounded like the end of Frost's tenure where they're like, we got to figure out who's bought in and who's not. And it just sounded like, a little bit more desperate. And I know you, if I were to say, now you know what we feel like, you would say, but we were terrible for forever. So we know what this is like, but it just feels like there's a different level of desperation from the outside at Wisconsin right now. So go. yeah, <laughs> that I wouldn't use the term desperation. What I think is a couple things. Um, and I'm going to insert the caveat that Max and I haven't actually recorded yet this week. We're recording in like two and a half hours. So my thoughts may be even more fully mm. formed after that. You're welcome for the opportunity to flush some ideas out here. I see. I like this. I like this. Mm -hmm. We're workshopping. Yeah. Um, I think the big thing with this team is it came into the season with a lot more expectation. This, I, I honestly thought this was a 10 and two team. Um, I thought this team was going to adapt a lot better to what they wanted to do than it has. I think myself and fans at, at large did not really recognize just how much of a transition this was going to be and how mismatched the roster was to it. Uh, the obvious thing on offense is just, you know, Go from the fullback to the air raid. That's a big part of it. Uh, they are running a very different offense, and they, quite frankly, didn't even have enough wide receivers on scholarship mm. on the roster to run it. So they had to bring in a ton of bodies. And, you know, Transfer Portal, I think we've all kind of learned now that it's been a thing for three years. You know, unless you're... Georgia and your you know your poaching wide receivers from mid-level SEC teams the guys you're getting are not meant to be for the most part starters they are depth right mm. or they're a quarterback who one in three hits I mean I think both you know like you've seen it like look at Jeff Sims right yeah uh it's like oh this guy you know right environment it's gonna work and then it's like oh wow it didn't work you know it <laughs> just didn't working. work yeah. And or like, like the, the guys the Badgers were after, one of them was Brennan Armstrong, who went to NC State. He's now on the bench, right? I mean, it, there's a real roll of the dice. Mm. Um, so the offensive transition was harder than I think people realized. Uh, on top of that, I will say the offense has had ridiculously bad injury, injury luck. Mm. I mean, just Braylon Allen, who has always been a guy who kind of grinds down, has ground down. Uh, he played one drive this past week. He's been hurt a bit. Uh, on top of that, 
Chesma Lucy, who is sort of like the number two back, but this year really turned into one A, one B. Like he's a much better fit for this offense in terms of what they're trying to do with a cut and go guy. Was to use Phil Longo's language, I think arguably the most explosive player on the offense. I mean, he really was showing out, and you're like, wow, this is a guy that benefits from a scheme change. He snaps his leg, so he's done. So you lose those two. So you're down to third string running backs and, you know, third and fourth. And the third string back is Jackson Aker, who was a fullback last year. He's, you know, 240 pounds, but he's not as athletic as a guy. Like he looks like Braylon Allen, but he's not as athletic. He's doesn't have the vision. He doesn't have the experience because last year he was practicing at fullback, you know? So not quite there. And then the other guy is Cade Iacomelli, who basically became a running back three quarters of the way through the season last year. Young, He's a cut and go, but again, they're barely running the ball. I mean, this last week they ran the ball with the running backs. I think between the, well, you know what? I got the stats right in front of me. They ran the ball uh, 13 times with running backs. Hmm. I mean, that's not, sorry. And then you have Braylon Allen, three more, 16. So that's not a Wisconsin, you know, like they, when they went air raid, they weren't going to throw the ball 50 times. They really weren't. They were going to lean on, we have good running backs and we'll just balance it and we'll just throw a little bit more. And it's, you know, like they say no fullback. Well, the fullback they had last year is a tight end now. And you know what he does half the time? He lines up like an H. Like, okay, it's a, okay, he's not a fullback anymore, but he's two, you know, he's two steps behind the offensive line. Call him whatever you want. I don't care. He's kind of doing the same thing. I mean, the blocking scheme's a little different, but um, that's about it. Like, and the other part of the offense is guys who you thought were good like Jack Nelson, who's a left tackle, is really struggling with this offense. He kind of stabilized middle of the season, but then last Saturday, whoa, Nelly. I mean, three holds, lost in space. Like some guys are being asked to do things that are just very different than what they're used to, and they're not comfortable with it. And then to flip it to the defensive side of the ball, they really wanted to play man, you know, three quarters of the time, 80% of the time. And they did not have the corners for it to mm. start the year. And they wanted to play this three, three, five, this dollar defense uh, that was more or less two down linemen, an outside linebacker as your third, you know, line of scrimmage guy, and then two middle linebackers and a safety who is Hunter Warner. Um, that that was going to be down low. And then you kind of he's like a rover star guy. It's not too different than what uh what's his face did at Syracuse. Um and uh, what they realized pretty quick was to do that, you needed corners who can run and who can sit in man. And the Badgers, quite frankly, don't have those types of guys. They have been a team that plays a lot more zone or at least a lot more matchup uh, than straight man. And they were getting beat bad. Hmm. And they had to finally just say, all right, the line isn't what we want for this. And they've gone back to a nickel. I mean, it looks like it really at this point looks a lot like Jim Leonard's defense. Like they kind of just said, all right, we're going to have to shelf this thing for a season and give some guys time to learn. Um, but that that's really, I mean, people right now are very PO'd. Mm-hmm. Um, Players I, seem to be PO'd. Well, the interesting thing, if you watch that game, I mean, that Northwestern game, the defense just for the first half was, unable to stop Northwestern a lot of it especially on my rewatch is linebackers just filling wrong 
And watching Fickle's post game, which I mean, that dude was ready to punch a hole in some drywall. It was very interesting to listen to him talk. Uh He seemed really his struggles are that, you know, we prepped them all week and then they saw something slightly different and they could not adjust to it and they just couldn't recognize it. And it felt for the most part like his linebackers filling incorrectly. And then a lot of it, he, I mean, then he had two straight up blown coverages, which they haven't had all year. Um, they had one of their corners just get caught flat footed and the guy runs right by him and it's a really bad blown coverage. Um, and then the other one, a safety just doesn't understand the handoff that they're doing as, as these guys just run a simple man beater. Oh, as I bang my mic and, um, it, you just go, wow, like that, that was a weird step back game for them. And then the offense has just been kind of a mess. Uh, you know, Mordecai got hurt, the starting quarterback, the guy they brought in as a grad transfer came back this week and you said, okay, yeah, he's clearly better than Braden Locke, who was his backup who played the last few weeks, who did struggle in the last game. Uh, but the re- they just have an issue now with receivers not getting open and they can't take the tops off of defense. They cannot get big plays. Uh, that sounds really familiar. Yeah. The, the thing that I can't get over is how much you see receivers catching passes coming back to the line of scrimmage. I mean, guys mm. are catching balls with their backs to the end zone more than I have ever seen. And it, mm. that was the way I was like, Oh, that's what really jumps out to you is it's, it's guys catching balls coming back away, you know, running away from the end zone as they catch it. And then the other one is like kind of doing this in traffic catch and fall move. So there's just not an opportunity to get chunk plays. Hmm. And I don't yeah. have an answer for what that is yet. And drops. So, <laughs> so I'm hearing you talk about where things are at now. It's not, it wasn't a uh, Frank Solich gets fired scenario because Chris was trending down, but it is a Solich to Callahan transition in terms of it could junk be. in a longstanding system. And it's just, it's just rough in the interim. So Callahan did get to a big 12 championship game uh, in his second or third season. So it, we've seen it happen, but then he didn't hang on to, or he couldn't get rid of his bad defensive coordinator. So All right. we'll see how long the parallels go. Um, the interesting thing is also the other part of it that I didn't really get uh, with this team and was like an assumption we made all of us was that there was more talent on this roster than there, there is. Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, if you look at this team, you know what, let's put it in the context that makes sense for this show. This team beat a bad Nebraska team. I think we can call that last year with 30 seconds to play. Right. It was best three and nine team in history. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But you get my, like, this is a squeaker. That was a squeaker to get them to six and six. And I think people kind of dismissed that as, oh, well, you know, they fired Chris and then it's an interim and da 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 da. And I'm, my argument was kind of like, well, they played only marginally better after he was fired. It's not like they were super energized when Jim Leonard took the interim job. I mean, they lost to Iowa. They lost to Michigan State. I mean, a bad Michigan State team. They lost to Minnesota, which was not a good Minnesota team. I mean, they just, they looked flat against Minnesota. And a lot of these guys who were there last year that you said, okay, you know, I think these guys are going to take steps forward. You know, you project improvement. A lot of them haven't improved. And I don't think it's just scheme because they're back in a scheme that looks a lot like what they ran before. And you kind of see the same things. 
from guys who've been around two or three years. And I think, ironically enough, a lot of these recruiting classes they had that were, you know, some of the best in Wisconsin's history, which gave you all these indications that they were, you know, trending in a certain direction or solidifying or building out depth. That has not borne fruit whatsoever. Is Fickle recruiting well? I mean, has he been there long enough for you to have a feel for that? I mean, they have a top 25 class. Mm -hmm. Um, The one thing that you see, you definitely see a different type of player. I mean, he has gone really aggressively after corners, um, really aggressively after safeties. He has, I mean, the body type is different. Even if like their recruiting ranking isn't necessarily significantly higher. It might be a notch or two higher. You might see 88s on a 24-7 versus an 86. Uh, but the big thing is it's he's getting guys who are six foot one. You know, he's getting guys with bigger frames, with longer frames that you say, OK, he wants a different player than what Jim Leonard was bringing in in terms of these are guys who play man. They're longer bodies. They're going to be matched up on the ends. They're going to be on their own, maybe a little safety help over the top. But that's about it. And it's not these five nine, five ten guys that are. You know, you're trading some athleticism for uh, maybe guys are a little more technical and who could probably sit in zone and do all right. And that's what he did at Cincinnati, and it worked. Mm-hmm. Um, you're working off that as sort of your 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 article of faith. I mean, I think the everybody screaming up, screaming Sauce Gardner up and down the you know the uh, the, the road. I think needs to chill because there's always outliers. You know, so let's not take that as any kind of serious projection of anything but i think they do if they are looking if you're looking for a bright spot this year i think the underrated bright spot was i think the corners are actually better this year in terms of their developing corners i mean last year again lost in a lot of this they brought in all transfer corners their entire their both corners and their nickel were all transfer guys and when they were healthy um so they were looking, they have been looking for fill in players, uh, you know, for a while in that secondary. And they've made guys like Ricardo Hallman, who last year, I mean, against Michigan State, got himself benched. He played so poorly. He's now, I would say, an above average, like really good Big Ten corner. He's not a superstar, but he's very good. He could play on pretty much any defense in the Big Ten, save, you know, maybe Ohio State and Iowa. But I think in Iowa, he would fight it. I mean, you know what? I think he probably would be in a rotation on both of those teams to a certain degree. I mean, he's a good player. Um, and that's come from, I mean, he's shown real growth uh, as a corner. And they brought in a couple of bodies. They brought this a Division two guy, of all things, this guy, Nizer Forkarine, who is an impossible name to get used to pronouncing, by the way. Uh, consider yourselves lucky you haven't had to learn that one. But guy came out of... Uh, where the linebacker coach was, I think it's Grand Valley States in Michigan, Division II school. He was a Division II All-American, and they kind of like, they'd been in the market for a corner, and they went and grabbed this guy, and it's like, oh, he's a six-foot-one guy who was 140 pounds as a senior in high school, and he just, he's filled out. And it's not a superstar. He's a transfer player. So what is he? He's a depth rotational type player, but he's better than... Uh, Alexander Smith, who was the presumptive starting corner there, who he has gradually taken snaps from throughout the course of the season. Like you've seen, okay, there are bright spots, especially on the defensive side. I would argue that that works now defensive line. Guess what? You're not getting that in the portal. You're just not. 
I mean, there are, I, I will steal a line from my co-host, which is there are only so many guys who are those high-end defensive linemen and they aren't sure. looking for a new home. You know, that's, yeah. that's your, you're going to, you got to bring, you got to build that yourself. So that's going to take time for them to do something because they brought in, um, uh, uh, Darian, uh, yeah, Darian Varner, who came from Temple, you know, who was second team AAC or first team AAC or something like that. And he's a rotation guy. He's buried behind starters. He's playing, you know, 15, 20 snaps a game. And the guys he's behind aren't, aside from James Thompson, who I think is pretty solid, but he's not great by any means. The rest of them are rotational dudes and he's buried behind them. So that's what you're getting in the portal, unless you're Georgia. (laughs) You name it. So just hearing you talk here, I hope it's not disrespectful for me to say, I'm hopeful that we can go to a bowl after this game. Um, And uh, I don't think that's disrespectful. Okay. And uh (laughs) Six six thirty. I mean, do you expect the fan base to show up here? Uh, six thirty in mid November, late November. You're gonna get some. I mean, you'll get some. Uh, you show up to jump around, and that's it. I th- I think people jump, showing up to jump around is a bit of a stretch. Like, I think I think you're gonna see people. I think you're. I mean, it's not gonna be full. It hasn't been full since Ohio State. I think was the last one. Hmm. Um. But I think that the the capacity of the stadium is a reflection of the team. I think they are in a free fall a bit from that Ohio State game. I think they invested a lot mentally in that mm. game. That was very much a tent pole on the season. It was, you know, I, I, they're not going to say it out loud, but they wanted to win the West. And they wanted to, it, all they really needed to do, especially this year, to win the West was just beat Iowa. And then they yeah. didn't beat Iowa. Because if they beat Iowa, they would have had enough of a glide path probably to get to that nine and three-ish. And nine and three was going to win the West with, you know, two conference losses. And the Ohio State game was going to be a loss, but it was like, all right, let's now get up for this because you lost Iowa. And they played really hard. I mean, the other part of the Chris firing, a huge part of the Chris firing was the Ohio State game last year, followed by the Illinois, if you really want. I mean, that the team was flat for two, I mean, they didn't even show up for Ohio State. I mean, they weren't even, it looked like, they didn't look like two teams playing the same game, um, the way they got blown off the ball and then followed up with a blowout to Illinois. And, you know, you go back a month, fans were like, wow, they only lost that, by 14. That to was Ohio a, a State. 52 to 21 loss to Ohio State, followed by a 34 to 10 at Illinois for Nebraska fans. Yeah. And, the, and if you, the 52, honestly, the 52 to 21 makes it sound closer than it was. I mean, it was so bad, and the Badgers got, I think, 14 points in the fourth quarter. I mean, it was you seven minutes left in the first quarter. You could just say, let's just turn it off. I mean, mm. they're blowing everybody off the ball. Blow, And that was a defense with Keanu Benton, who's starting for the Steelers, right? I mean, they'd had players yeah. on it, and it was just getting blown off the ball. And an it, offense, it, you couldn't do anything. It, it is wild to see here that at the end of October, you lose 24 to 10 to Ohio State, yep. and then you just lost 24 to 10 to Northwestern. I know weeks later. I just, that's uh and that's, that's kind of, yeah, you're, you're doing a good job of getting me back to my original point, which was like, I think after they lost to Iowa, it was like, well, you know, you have this big emotional win over Illinois, which sounds so terrible to say <laughs> like a big fourth quarter. I mean, they did, they had a big fourth quarter comeback and you're like, ah, this team is starting to click. 
and they fought really hard against Ohio State. I mean, they really did. And it was a it was a 17 to 10 game until, I mean, midway through the fourth quarter. And they were doing this with, again, backup quarterback. Braden Locke was in there uh, and they had a puncher's chance. Their offense continues. It, it just it was it, it's totally disjointed, but. They played so hard. The defense did so well. They gave themselves a chance to win. And then at the end of that one, you could just tell they were all just spent. And I think this team has been trying to, you know, it's like pull start in the engine after it stalled out and they just haven't been able to do it yet. I don't know what happens. I really don't know what happens this week. You could tell me that a fire is lit and they win the last two. And you could tell me that they're going to lose the next two. And yeah. I'll believe you. I really don't know where they're at. I, I don't think my thing is, I don't think necessarily that the team, especially on the rewatch, I don't think the team quit. They don't look like they're going through motions. It just looks like they're almost just not ready. Hmm. And they seem to not really understand what they're seeing. I mean, it was just, the Northwestern game was bizarre in that both linebackers are over pursuing and you're like, what, what, what guys, what are you doing? And, you know, little simple stuff like that and just leaving cutbacks open and then a couple blown coverages, which that has not been an issue. I mean, there've been issues in the secondary in the beginning of the year where they just couldn't cover dudes, but they knew where they were supposed to be. They just weren't there. This one was straight up you know, I mean, you could see the corner saying that one's yours and just sort of hmm. signaling to the safety. I'm going this way because it was clear they knew what was coming. They're going to run a man beater cross and the corner takes the outside man who cuts in and the safety follows him. And the safety is clearly supposed to follow the deep man. And then hmm. that just leaves a wide open throw. Hmm. And so you just say, I don't know what's going. You know, what is that? I don't know yeah. what that is. And then that guy, Preston Zachman, basically disappeared for the rest of the game. So. Yeah. There is definitely there is frustration with the coaching staff with the with this team and I am curious I'm curious to see what happens the rest of the year uh in terms of what their response to it is but also the part that I'm really fascinated in is the offseason because Fickle came in you know saying very much you know he was all about, you know, culture, 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 healthy culture, blah, 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 all this stuff. You know, I'm not building a culture here. There's a culture here and I am not changing the culture and the culture and the culture, 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 culture. culture. It was a big thing he said a lot. <laughs> and I'm realizing now, I think some of that was he understood where he was in terms of a lot of these players. Jim Leonard was their dude. I mean, they all, the, the, right. the graduated players, I'll call him Jimmy. Like they, they say coach Chris and Jimmy. You know, like they have very different views of those guys. And he was their dude on defense. And I think some of the guys on offense even understood, like, this is a Wisconsin guy and da 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 da. -da. And he needed to make sure. And he's like, I'm not coming in to replace Jim Leonard. I'm just coming in to be Luke Fickle. And I think maybe there were some bad fits on this roster that he let hang around. I'm going to be very curious to see if. You know, when you see an exodus and a coaching change now, you didn't really see that to the degree at Wisconsin that you see it in a lot of other places. And I'm curious if it's actually going to be this offseason hmm, that really? you're going to see some more guys that, I mean, there are guys out there that you said, oh, I think this guy's going to, we're going to see this guy in the field this year, or even some guys that I said, oh, they fit what these guys want to do maybe a little bit in terms of their body style. And th this, this might be, 
you know, an opportunity. We're like a guy like TJ Ballers was a guy they brought in as an outside linebacker. He's six foot two. He's two. He's now like 265, 270 pounds. Like he's was this guy. You go, how are you going to use that at outside linebacker? But then you hear about this dollar defense and you go, Oh, that's a perfect linebacker for that, that third spot there because he's kind of a tweener guy. He's, I mean, he's a ghost. Haven't seen him. And you wonder if some guys like that, and I'm not picking on him in particular, but I think he's a pretty good example of it. You're wondering if this offseason, if you're going to see some some more changes there. But well, that's beyond what we're talking about. Which yeah, is- well, uh, I don't know. Well, we're, we're kind of up in the air on how much we do offseason these days, so maybe we'll talk to you about it in the summer, see <laughs> yeah. where it's at. Maybe not. Well, not committing to anything right now. I like that. That's very yeah. healthy. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you. Boundaries. Um, exactly. Well, Rich, thank you so much for, for coming on our show again. It's been a it's been a while, so it's good to catch up with yeah. you. For newer listeners that we might have who aren't familiar with you, where can they uh, find your show? Uh, easiest thing, we have a very simple, straightforward link tree. Just go to buckaroundpodcast.com and it's got the feed and all that kind of stuff you want to find. Uh, somebody in the uh, interregnum from stopping the old show to this one. I actually let the old uh, 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 domain expire and somebody is squatting on it and it's $5,000. <laughs> and then I responded and laughed. <laughs> yeah. So buckaround.com is no more, but I shouldn't even mention it because then people are going to think of that and go to, <laughs> go to buckaroundpodcast.com if you want to find us. And yeah, yeah, wherever you listen, you'll find us. If you wait it out, you'll be okay. I let a website lapse a long time ago and... I think three or four years later, it was finally available again. So, you know, I can't believe be patient. it. Oh, I'm like, really? Because there's someone who's like, well, I'm a web consultant. I can help you acquire it. Uh, and then I look it up and it's like, no, that person owns it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, good luck to them. I wish them the best and they can keep. I'll keep asking maybe just to make them, you know, spend the $10 every year. Just right. <laughs> um, squatters. But uh, yeah, no, before we go, I'm just curious. What do you think happens? Because I, I don't know. I really don't know. I, I could it's be unfun. How about that? It's I could not see it be being. I could see it being a get right game for for Wisconsin. Um, our defense pretty good. Your, yeah, your offense has struggled. Your defense I, is okay, right? That, this is not going to be fun to watch. No, this yeah. this defense, honestly, I think on the aggregate, I think you can argue it was a touch better than last year. And last year's defense wasn't great, but it was good enough. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, it's a defense that's averaging 20 points a game. That's a good defense. It's not a great defense. It's a good defense. The offense is bad. I mean, bad. Um, they get Matt Mordecai back, which, I mean, he's a good quarterback. I kind of feel for that guy. He basically came in, as I said on our show, it was a very transactional relationship. I'm a grad student. You know, I got one more year. He was going to go in the draft. Clearly didn't get the evaluation he wanted. And said, well, I'm going to go somewhere and maybe get myself like a four to seven, you know, four to seven round grade. He's been hurt. The offense has sucked. And it's been kind of a disaster. And he's I mean, he you can see it on the field. The dude want the dude is competitor. I wish he had been on a better team because he would be fondly remembered by Badger fans um, if he was. But I guess maybe they score some points. But I. I think we're looking at a really. Kind of like that Maryland game that yeah, no one's going to yeah. want to watch. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, all of us can commiserate. Yeah. I got a little bit nervous when you were saying you could see Wisconsin doing one of two things, which is either lose the next two or win the next two. 
Um, for for me, I don't know if I see that with Nebraska. I think Nebraska, we're all just kind of like hoping, like oh, we just we just need one more, please. We don't right. know how it comes. I don't think that there's any expectation on our end. Like we we're gonna win the next two. I think people are just like. We'll see what happens. I hope they can figure it out. <laughs> that's kind of that's kind of what I'm in. Like, I mean, this team is a really enigmatic to me, mm. and I could like I just wouldn't be surprised by either. I guess mm. is what I'm saying. Like, sure, yeah. I feel like so much of the so many of their games are just kind of you know these sort of toss up one scorey type games where you're like, oh, almost, and they didn't. And like like Indiana was lost because. They had a fourth and two great play. I mean, the, the play set it up perfectly wide open receiver for a first down and the quarterback overthrows. Mm. And if he doesn't overthrow it, they win that game. Right. And you're kind of looking at a different team right now. And it's kind of like, eh, okay. Yeah. Are they better if they win that game? No. So whatever. <laughs> I can't predict any of this. Yeah. The, 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 the margins are so narrow. We have a lot of woulda, coulda, shouldas this year. <laughs> we're in the third consecutive week where we're saying, we could still win the West or not go to a bowl. Yeah. <laughs> because I believe if Iowa loses their next two and we win our next two, we tie them for the West and then we'll have the tiebreaker. And I could see Iowa losing every football game they play. I mean, that's I, the beauty of the Big Ten West this year. Yeah, and they they play at 2.30, so we'll know going to the Wisconsin game kickoff if if the West is still in hand. I, you know, I, I don't think the team's thinking about that. I think at this point they're just like desperate to get to a bowl, which, you know, being in a desperate position is a little bit of a precarious place to be. I do think that it's interesting. I feel like rule had a carte blanche for his uh, culture, you know, to to install it. Whereas to hear you talk about how fickle's coming in, like, Oh, you know, I don't want to upset people, you know? So, so I do feel like I, I think I said this last week, Mike, you hear people just in the community spouting, rule isms yeah you know, like the, yeah. the culture is is so instilled that now like we're using those as our aphorisms day to day i think nebraska was like ready for that like because yeah. of the turmoil that we've experienced for so long i think that yeah. that both the team and like this state <laughs> everybody's like yeah yes yes bring it on bring it on because we have we finally have a coach who like you can argue over whether the guy knows what he's talking about because people argue about that with coaches every day, but, but we believe that he believes what he's talking about, which is huge. (laughs) It's so huge. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'll be, yeah, I I am going to be fascinated by this weekend and then going forward when the big 10 gets massive, like what these teams kind of look like and where they are in the world. Thanks again to Richard for joining us on the podcast. It's always good to talk with him. I'm always just amazed at his seemingly encyclopedic knowledge of I know. things going on at that school. Um, yeah. It puts us to shame. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, thank you to Richard. I know before we started recording today, we were talking about, like, I think Richard may actually be the first, quote-unquote, friend of the program. Like, he's one of the 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 first guests we ever had on the show and he's just always so charitable and kind um always happy to have him on so 
Um, thanks again to him. And uh, I guess just kind of a, a, a quick statement. I, I think Justin and I, you might be surprised, uh, you know, Justin and I haven't even in, invoked the name Marcus Satterfield today until just now. You've heard it all, right? It, it, it's, it's Tuesday by the time you're listening to this podcast. All the arguments have taken place. There's nothing I feel that we can add to that conversation that you haven't already heard by listening to the various press conferences and all the call-in shows over the last few days. Um, you know, in, enjoy getting on Twitter and arguing with people over whether it's the players or the coaches or the coaches don't throw interceptions or they shouldn't have put them in a position. You know, all that stuff's happening. Um, there's plenty of places where you can find that. So uh, we're just looking forward to this Saturday. And um, hope we can finally get that get that sixth win. Like let's that's get bowl eligible. Folks. That's where we're at with it. So let's we're going to continue to support our team and hope for the best. That's all you can do, right? All right. Well, hey, Mike. Go big red. Go big red. <laughs> <laughs>